the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The message this morning is the truth about false freedom. And our text is taken from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. This is Peter writing to the Christians in Asia Minor, warning them about false Christians, those who promote teachings that are anti-Christian. And he said these words about those people. He said, these people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of this world by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Uh, you know, as I watch television, I, I am troubled by, you know, what I see. I, I'm sure you are too. All these demonstrations that turns into violent rioting, uh, the premise of which was to express uh, freedom of expression. Many of these people who are demonstrating has the right motivation for doing what they're doing. But there are troublemakers who come in and distort the true motives of the demonstration. They hijack the message in the name of the freedom of expression that they purport to possess. They were hiding behind a noble cause, to interject their evil intentions. That's what's really going on. I want you to pay attention. Uh, the demonstrations that we're seeing are based on the correct 
premise. But then there are those who will inevitably hijack a message in favor of some ulterior evil motives. And that's exactly uh, what Peter was trying to address when he wrote to these churches in Asia Minor. He was warning Christians that this just doesn't happen, you know, out there in the secular world. This happens inside the church. This happens among God's people. And he wrote this letter to warn Christians of how to spot a counterfeit from a real Christian. Because these counterfeit followers of Jesus were hijacking the message of the gospel. And they're putting people into bondage, into all kinds of sins and all kinds of legalistic rules. Peter warned them that their arguments and position seems real and authentic, but they were taken captive by a spirit of error and they believed a lie. And it turns out, that once they believe that lie, they were held captive by the lie and they start spreading that same lies to other people. They were hiding behind a false premise of freedom. And that false premise is freedom without righteousness. And that's from the devil. Freedom without righteousness is false freedom. The term freedom in the Christian worldview means we are free to do the will of God. If you want a definition from a Christian worldview of what freedom is, it's very simple. True Christian freedom is our freedom to do the will of God in our life. Not our will, but the will of God. Again, to be free as a Christian is not to be free to be our own master. To be free as a Christian is not to be free to do anything and whatever we want. That's false freedom. True Christian freedom is to be able to do the will of God. So in essence, this is what's happening. It's one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith. A truly free person must have a transfer of slavery to another master. Once before, we were slaves to sin. But in Christ, we became slaves to righteousness. I mean, that's what the scripture teaches us. So Christian freedom is the transference of one master to another. Bible says before we came to Jesus, we are dead in our sins. And it's automatic for us to simply follow the way of the world and the way of sin. But in Christ, now we became slaves toward righteousness. Okay? So Christian freedom is one slavery to the next. Okay? I know some people are, you know, have a problem with that. But Paul, when he addressed himself, if you read the writings of Paul, he addressed himself always as a bond servant of Jesus. And that's how we need to approach our freedom. We need to learn how to live in freedom. It's another way of saying we need to learn how to live as Christians. 
You know, we need to learn that once we come to faith in Christ, we have eternal life. How many of you believe that? You know, eternal life doesn't happen after you die and then you go to heaven. I think the Bible is clear enough that when you come to faith in Jesus, you receive eternal life and it starts at that point on, from that point on. You and I are on our way to heaven. And that's good news, by the way, okay? It's not bad news. But, but until we get into the presence of Jesus, we need to navigate our way through this life by remaining faithful and walking in the Spirit of God. That's what Christianity is all about. And by the Bible says that there's true freedom in pursuing that route because you're pursuing the road to eternal life. The issue is not whether or not we have eternal life. We have been given eternal life. When we came to faith in Jesus, the issue is how do we live that eternal life now? And we're called to live it in true Christian freedom. John 17, chapter 3, John wrote this. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So after we come to faith in Jesus, the rest of our lives has to be devoted to walking with Christ. I mean, there's no other option for the believer, right? Because that's where true freedom is. Now, human nature is determined by appetites and behaviors. So you want to spot a true follower of Jesus from a counterfeit follower of Jesus. It's really very simple. A counterfeit Christian has an appetite for the world and behaves like the world. I mean, it's just that simple. The authentic Christian, however, has that appetite for the things of God and the Word of God and the will of God, okay? So this is the main thought of this message. Real Christians has real freedom. Freedom from what, you may ask? Freedom from the bondage of sin and freedom to do the will of God. Now again, the background that we just mentioned, this letter was occasioned by the fact that, that Peter was writing to the Christians they, who were being deceived by some of these false believers that are propagating this, this different kind of gospel and are putting a lot of confusion in the hearts and minds of people. Uh, the letter is warning believers to be discerning. And that's what we need in our day and age. We need to be discerning of the things that we're hearing. How do we respond as Christians to what's going on around us begins with how we respond to what we're hearing inside the church to make sure that we're not being, you know, contaminated by what I call a 90% truth with 10% error. And that's all it takes, you know. <laughs> I heard the illustration. When somebody gives you a glass of water and, it, and, and that person tells you this glass of water has 99% pure water and a drop of cyanide, will you drink it? I, I would have second thoughts. Isn't that right? I mean, because it's, it's so clear that, that, that this warning to be discerning of what we hear uh, is part and parcel of what it means to truly live this Christian life in freedom, those who are merely professing their faith must also just not merely profess them, but must be seen progressing in their faith. Amen? So Christianity is not about professing faith. It's about progressing in faith as well. So those two things go hand in hand. Real change must be produced in us because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Why was he warning them about these counterfeit Christians or counterfeit uh, people? Because a counterfeit 
is so dangerous. And the real reason why it's dangerous is because it looks like the real thing. That's what a counterfeit is. In fact, you know, if you talk to like FBI agents who, who are expert in, in, you know, in identifying counterfeits, uh, they will tell you that the way to identify the counterfeit is to be, to be very familiar with the real thing. You know, if you know the authentic well enough, you can spot a fake from a mile away. And that's true with us today as followers of Jesus. We need to know those whose faith is authentic because there's nothing more seductive than fine-sounding arguments that seem to be true but will not stand the test of time in terms of its effect in our lives. I'm not suggesting that because some Christians have fallen into some false teaching means they're not Christians anymore. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm suggesting is if we fall into that spirit of error, we open the door for all kinds of problems to happen in our Christian walk. Very soon, we no longer have the freedom to stand up for Jesus because we're, we're hearing and seeing things from quote-unquote Christians that don't seem to demonstrate the authentic purity of the gospel. I mean, that's happening in our world. And authenticity begins in the house of God. It doesn't begin outside. I mean, how can we be witnesses out there for the gospel if we can't get our acts straight in what we believe right here in our own uh, church, in our own churches. Now, if, you, if you're like me, I, 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 and I think about these things and I come up with uh, a couple of top ten lists. Okay, Now, I have a top seven list of what I consider seductively false Christian teachings. Okay, This is just my own. I don't know if you uh, agree with all of this, but these are my own top ten, uh, top seven rather, top seven list of the most seductive teachings, false teachings that, that have infiltrated the body of Christ. Okay, there's just seven of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through them uh, very quickly. And the reason why I say it's seductive, it's because there's they sound true. If 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 something obviously sounds false, you wouldn't be seduced by it, right? Because you can identify it. But if, if it's something sounds good, then it becomes seductive when in fact it's false. It's hiding behind the wrong premise, okay? Here's my number one, one, one of seven seductive teaching. Number one, God is all about blessing and prospering His people materially, physically, spiritually, that's a very seductive teaching. Why? Because there's uh, an essence of truth into them. How many of you know God does want to bless His people? We don't have a problem with that. He wants to prosper His people. Isn't that right? He also wants His people to succeed in this world. He wants us to be physically well. And He wants us to be spiritually well. So what's wrong with this? It's wrong when it becomes a doctrine that says, if you do not possess these successes, these blessings, that you're no longer part of the family of God. And that's what's going on. I've been told so many times, hey, the reason why you know, you, you, this is happening in your life, because you don't believe that God's pre preoccupation is to bless you. Listen, God is a, a loving God and He blesses us, but it is not His number one priority to bless His people. His number one priority is for His people to worship Him. 
regardless of our station in life. And that's what the Bible teaches. If, if, if God is intending to make us all of these things, Jesus would not have come as a carpenter. Jesus would not have been born in a manger. Jesus is the only Messiah in all of, all of religious history that was born among animals and was crucified between two thieves. Number two, if you have great faith, you will not get sick. I don't need to explain that one. All right? Number three, God loves you, so it's okay to, do, to go on doing what you're doing. You're going to heaven anyway. That's very seductive. Number four, you don't really need to go to church. <laughs> oh, you just put that in there. No, I didn't. A lot of people today do not put a lot of value. I mean, even in our, our world, I mean, they don't think assembling together as a church is necessary for being a Christian. Yet if you read the Bible, and I heard a great sermon about this, you know, I guess it was this morning. If you, if you, if you look at the Bible... I think it's worth repeating. When, when, when God deals with his people, he always asks them to do two things. He always asks them to gather, and then after they gather, to assemble. You might ask, what's the difference? And the difference is this. When God calls his people to gather, he's about to tell them something very important. Once he tells the church what's important, then he wants them to assemble. What's the application? The application is very simple. If we gather just for gathering's sake, it means nothing. It's like gathering uh, the parts for a computer. You put everything on the table, you gather them, but it functions. Nothing. Nothing is functioning. But once you've gathered all the parts, what do you need to do? You need to assemble them in order for it to function properly. And that's what happens when we come together as a church. We are assembled And we are functioning, and that number one purpose, that number one function is to give glory to the name of Jesus together. That's that's why we exist. Number five, faith in God is a personal matter between God and me. All right? I'll let you think about that for a moment. I mean, we hear Christians say that all the time. Oh, my faith is personal. It's between God and me. No. (laughs) That is a product of our Western individualistic thinking. God gathered a people. The Bible says that those who are redeemed of the Lord will say so together. (laughs) It's a community. The Christian faith is faith expressed in community. And there's a reason behind that. Because God calls a people. It's the ecclesia. It's the church church called out once it's not an individual enterprise number six worship is a private matter that isn't true worship is a corporate matter sure we worship god personally but worship is not just a private private matter it is a corporate matter and lastly and here's the big one god looks at the heart not what you do can you imagine how many sins I can justify if I believe that? Sky's the limit. Why? These teachings are seductive because they have a ring of truth in them. And if we're not discerning, 
we're going to fall into that type of believing. And before we know it, we have the spirit of error. And we're behaving ungodly. And our frame of thinking becomes unrecognizable as Christians. And it's not good for the witness. Just imagine a new Christian who had just been freed from the bondage of sin, of let's say of alcohol, of drug addiction. And then he meets a false Christian and that false Christian tells him, oh, it's okay. You're now part of the kingdom of God. Go ahead and do what you have to do. You'll still make it to heaven. God doesn't mind your sin. I mean, that's contrary to what Scripture teaches. So Peter warns us about these types of people who profess to the faith, but has no knowledge of the words of Jesus. They do not represent freedom in Christ. They represent a counterfeit freedom. I want you to know that if you are in bondage today, Jesus can set you free. He's the only one who can really set you free. Now, I'm not naive about this. I realize that even as Christians, we're dealing with sin that are very difficult to kick out of our lives. Would you agree? All of us deal with that, okay? There are sins that are just so ingrained in us from our childhood. They're so ingrained in our lives. We have been so inflicted by, by things undesirable things in our life that now that we're old, we're dealing with them and we're struggling with them. I'm not naive. I realize not even the Bible says it's easy to get rid of all of these things of bondage. But here's what's true, okay? What's true is this, and it's critical to understanding our Christian freedom. We don't ever give up in forsaking those things. We continue to trust in Jesus. We don't stop and saying, I have been trying to kick this habit out of my life, but it's just simply not going to go away, so I'll just accept this as part of my life. Don't do that. Some battles you and I are going to fight until we're on our deathbed. And that's why I praise God because I have the opportunity to come together among God's people because He gives me the, the courage and the strength to fight it even though I know I will fall from time to time. Amen? But the, when people are gathered around you to encourage you, to lift you up, that makes you stronger and stronger. All right? That's why we need to humble ourselves before the Lord because we are fighting this not by ourselves, but we're fighting this with God's people. That's what freedom is. You just don't surrender your life. Oh, because I'm dealing with this, I'm going to surrender. No, you keep on trusting the Lord. How many of you believe that God is a God of grace? Yeah, I believe God is a God of grace. Without the grace of God, I'm not going to make it. All right? And what is grace? Grace is that enablement by the Holy Spirit to, to push us, to keep us standing up even though we're falling. We can get up and continue the path. It is a narrow path. And sometimes we fall to the left, sometimes we fall to the right. But listen, loved ones, the Spirit of God has a way of lifting us up so that even though we're going like this, we're groggy, we're going in the right direction. Nothing wrong with that. You just need the grace of God even more. And if we need the grace of God even more, guess what? We're a little bit more humble, right? If I know I can't live without the grace of God, I will not have any time thinking about your problems. 
Because I know I got to deal with my own, right? So when you come to church this morning, trust me, you're not going to be judged because the rest of us are trying to figure this thing out as faithfully as we can as well, that we don't have any time to criticize what you're doing, but God knows, and we rests on that. True freedom is the Spirit enabling grace to do the right thing on the basis of truth. Oh, you just don't know how tough my life has been, Pastor. If you know how tough it is for me, you wouldn't be saying that this is just an, there's an easy solution to this. I never said there's an easy solution. The Bible never says there's an easy solution. The Bible says that we need to rely on the grace of God. That's what the Bible teaches. To be free is to rely on the grace of God and to hold on to what's true. Doing whatever we please is not freedom. It's the worst kind of bondage. And I do believe that the reason why so often so many Christians fall into these seductive teachings is that it's easier to believe a lie than to do what's right and true. I know that's true in my life, you know. Look at a little kid. Little kid, it's easier for a little kid to say no, right? Because it's easier. Because if you say yes, there's responsibility that comes with it, right? Same thing with a Christian. You know, it's, it's easier to believe a lie than to hang on to the truth. But nevertheless, that's the, the whole thing about being a Christian. Hold on to the truth and walk in what is right. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.